0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm. Praise and fits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord by the word of the lord the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth all their host he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap he puts the deeps in storehouses let all the earth fear the lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him for he spoke and it came to be he commanded and it stood firm the lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing he frustrates the plans of the peoples The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Uh, Father, we ask that you would use these words to teach us about yourself, reveal who you are to us, Father, as your people. May we walk away from here, Father, glorifying you for your character and for your being and for you being our God. God, use your word today for your glory and your goodness to sanctify us to encourage us, to convict us. And Father, to help us to give joy and praise to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are continuing through the Psalms. We have uh, this, uh, I think we've got after today, we've got five more weeks. Um, Two weeks from now, Uh, As I had mentioned earlier, Jason and I and Vinny, actually, Vinny is officially, although I can't convince him to do the whole beard thing, he said he didn't sign up for that. So make him feel guilty, if you would, please. Um, So the three of us are heading out for the bike trip, and uh, so we have a a young man named Luke Anderson, he's going to come and he's going to preach. And I said, this is a great place for you to come to gain experience and to mess up. Not theologically, hopefully, he's going to worship God. I have really good confidence in that, that it's going to be truth. Uh, But uh, this is a place for him to gain that experience. And to um, our goal and our desire is not just for us to hear the word, but also to, if at all possible, in any way possible, to give other pastors, other teachers, other um, uh, men who are preaching on a regular basis or want to preach on a regular basis to speak well and to gain that experience and so this is a great place to do that because you are always loving and grace-filled every single week right yeah some of you are making funny faces that makes me a little nervous anyway that's it two weeks uh from today but uh today this is a psalm of praise we've gone through thanksgiving psalms and praise psalms and laments um, which we're actually going to be doing here uh, i believe next week Um, working through kingly psalms so this is a a psalm of praise now at first glance we could easily read this psalm and just go yeah praise the lord and then walk away from it yes this is all true and we can look at it and go well it begins with a call to praise him right like lift up your voices and then it goes on to explain why he should be praised, and we all say yes and amen. And then it ends with the word of praise to the Lord, and that's all true, and it's a very simple structure, but if we walk away from this psalm and all we see is just that simple structure or just a psalm of praise, we miss out on so much more, because this is actually an argument from the psalmist. Now, not an argument as in like, you know, when my brother and I would argue. Not that kind of argument. It is is an argument as in, here is my stance. Here is what is true. Here is my argument as to why God's people should praise the Lord. And so, the psalmist, or maybe I should say, ultimately, God through the psalmist it's arguing to the people of God, not, not unbelievers, not people outside of, of Israel because this is, the people of God at this time are Israel. We're not going to jump to the church yet. Um, we will get there uh, because we are the people of God. But the psalmist is speaking to Israel and he is reminding them of God's revelation of himself. And it's that revelation... It's that revealing of God himself that drives praise to him. Because when the people of God see God for who he really is, they praise him. They don't argue with him. They may like, ask questions like, oh, how is this true? But in the end, ultimately, the people of God praise God when he reveals himself and so the opening verses i hate to break it to you they're not about types or preferences of worship <laughs> we like to go that way right like maybe maybe you didn't even think about that till i just said it but i've heard this before well we need to use stringed instruments and we need to shout for joy and we need to do this and we need to because the psalm says so so the worship team needs to act that way That is not the purpose of this psalm. This psalm is a call to God's people, a call to the people of Israel to praise the Lord. It is right for those who are righteous and upright, he says, for them to praise the Lord, to give thanks to him. They cannot help it, it is good. But why? Why should the people grab instruments? Why should the people shout for joy? Why should the people give thanks? Why should the people do this? Well, that's the question of the main body of the psalm. The Lord's people are to praise Him because, as I said before, God has revealed Himself to them by two ways. First of all, by His Word and then by His eyes and you're wondering, wow in the world, I can't see God. What do you mean His eyes are revealing Himself? Well, that's we're going to get there. What does that mean? What does it mean that His Word reveals Him? What does it mean that His eyes reveal Him as King, King of all things, King of His people, King of the world? You see, the Lord reveals Himself through His upright Word, meaning His Word is straight and level. It means it's not leaning to the right or to the left. God's word is not like a picture on the wall that is off-kilter and needs to be fixed. Do we have any of those at home that every once in a while you look up and the picture is on one nail, which you should use two every single time? That's my do-it-yourself kind of tip, okay? Yeah, some people are like, whatever. Okay, yeah, your picture is always going to be off-kilter then. That's not the Word of God. It's not that His his Word is straight and then the the door closes too hard or... Somebody walks by too quickly and it shifts because that's not the word of God. It is firm, it is strong, it is faithful, it is trustworthy, it never moves. And because he loves righteousness and justice, the whole earth then is filled with his steadfast love. So this, these, these two verses, verses 4, well, really four and five are kind of like the thesis of the rest of the psalm. How, how is this true? How is the whole earth filled with His love? How does the whole earth reveal the uprightness and the trustworthiness of His word and His righteousness and His justice? And then he goes on, he says, because there are a lot of bad things in this world that can cause or are far from being right and just but that would be reading our own words into this psalm instead he says the whole earth is reveals god's rightness and uprightness because his word created all things and his word speaks truth it was by the command of his voice that all the earth was created Genesis 1 describes how God said, and it was so. That's Genesis 1, 7. He spoke, and it happened. By the breath of His mouth, the psalm says, the hosts in the sky and the depths of the oceans were created. By the word of His mouth, He created everything that we see and even those things that we cannot see. And so all the earth should stand in awe of Him, fearing Him as creator, because it is by the word of his mouth that all things were made, including you and including me. But the Lord also speaks not just through the word of his mouth. He speaks, it says, by his counsel, literally his plans. The nations of this world have a plan, do they not? including the United States. This is our policy. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to invade here. We're going to defend here. And it's understandable that these nations, these people groups would plan for their future, but the problem is that they plan with themselves at the center. They say they see themselves as the greatest power, They see themselves as the greatest might, the greatest intellect, the greatest futurists. This is what's going to happen and we're going to make this utopia of a world. And this is true both on the left and the right, by the way. In reality, though, there is one greater and more powerful and smarter and all-seeing than them and his name is Yahweh. He is the Lord of all all things the nations make plans but the lord frustrates those plans for example take the kingdom of egypt in the book of exodus they were the most powerful nation on the earth and their plan was to rule forever because no great power thinks that their power is ever going to be stripped away from them they think it's going to last forever and then yahweh comes along and utterly destroys their plans through slaves, through powerless people. And Egypt never rises as a superpower again. For the counsel and the purposes of the Lord stand forever and can never be thwarted. That's Job 42. In other words, nothing can subvert the Lord's purposes because he is in absolute control of history. He doesn't see what's happening in the world, including the war in Ukraine, and go, oh my gosh, I didn't put that into my plans. How in the world did this happen? Like, this is going to totally screw everything up. I think, I think the end of the world is going to have to be put off until I can fix all of it. No, it all, he is a control of all things. He is sovereign over all things. His hand is over all things. So in other words, if something happens, it's because God has allowed it to happen or has caused it to happen because He is the God of all things. There is no limit to His power. And if He chooses not to intervene for whatever reason, that's still within His power to not intervene. And hence, He is still in control of all things. And yet the nation, literally the people, whose God is the Lord, is blessed because they are a people who were chosen by God as his inheritance. So that line right there, that line tells you this is not about a specific state, not about America, not about Germany. This is not about Ukraine, not about Russia, not about Sudan, not about a specific nation state. This is a people Now, it happened to be Israel in the Old Testament, but it's bigger than that, for there were many who were not born Israelites who were still considered the people of God, even in the Old Testament. The Lord chose the people of Israel out of all of the nations, not because of their power and greatness in number, but because of their weakness and smallness in number. So you can have a a powerful nation like Egypt, who is numerous and has all the most updated weapons and has all the power in the world, and then you have a small little group of people called Israel who has no weapons and no power, and through them God reveals His power and His weapons and His greatness. Why? Why? Well, if you read through Scripture, the beauty of God's Word is that He uses the weak of this world to bring about His counsel so that He is given the praise. That's why the psalm is here. That's why He says, praise the Lord. Why? Because you are weak and God uses you. He doesn't use these great and powerful nations. He uses you. And so, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because his, by His Word, He has created all things. You just look at all of creation around you, the mountains, the seas, the power that is shown there, how small and tiny we are, compared to all of that, and yet, we know the Creator of them all. And His counsel, we praise Him because His counsel is in complete control of history, which means... We don't have to stress about tomorrow. We don't have to stress, is America going to survive in the next hundred years? You can say, well, I'm going to be dead. I don't really care. Well, no, we say, I know the one who is in control, and whether it stays or not, that's not my problem. God's going to do what He desires, and I trust Him. I trust Him and Him alone for through his word through his commands and through his counsel then the lord reveals that he is king and not small king big king But he also reveals himself as king through the gaze of his eyes. Now, this is the weird thing, right? Because the Lord, yes, he looks down from his throne in heaven, the psalm says. He sees all the children of men, that is, every single human being that's on the face of the earth. He sees them. In fact, he sees them because he's the one who made them. He's the one who created their hearts. Literally, what that means is the inner self. He created who they are, their inclination, their disposition. He doesn't just know who they are. He created them who they are, the psalmist says. They were formed by him. He sees everything done by every human being at every time in all of history. He knows the hearts of men and women. He knows where their trust and their reliance lies. Nothing is hidden from him. And though he sees everyone, his eye is upon those who fear and hope in him. So there is a difference. God sees all of the earth, all of his creation, all of humanity, but his eye is upon this group of people. Okay, now, I I see all of you. You want, you want a more personal one? I, I can see all of you, but my eye is on my family. My special love is for my family. I love you guys, but not as I love them. Now that's a human example of God's love. He loves all the world. Yes, absolutely. For God so loved the world, right? But his eye is on his people. His eye is on his chosen people kings put their trust in great armies and strength but these things no matter how strong could do nothing for them when it comes to eternity it might save them in the moment they might continue to be kings or strong nations but in the end as we saw last week one day they're gonna have to stand before the great judge and they can't take that power with them. And they can't stand before God and say, I was Pharaoh of Egypt. I had the greatest army ever. And God's going to say, well, how did that work out for you? We can't walk up to it and say, I made all this money, or I had such a loving family, or I did the best that I could. God's going to go, so? Because those earthly things... Those earthly things that we hold on to, or the world holds on to, they do nothing when it comes to eternity. But the souls of those who fear and trust in the Lord, those whose eye of the Lord is upon them, they are delivered from death. And that's not a, it's not like we're going to live forever here on earth. That's, That's not... That's not what he's talking about. We're all going to die, right? But that was one of the things that I hopefully I had awesome, created awesome conversations last week when I told your children you're going to die. It's just given. You're going to die. It's going to happen. He's not talking about living forever here on this earth. He's talking about eternal life in His presence, in God's presence. Those who are caught in the sight, in the gaze of the eye of the Lord, they are the ones who are saved from eternal death. And so, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because he saves those on whom his eye is upon. His eye, his power to save the soul from death reveals God as king. That's God's doing. That's not my doing. It is His doing. And so the psalm closes not with another call for God's people to worship and praise Him, but actually praising Him. He doesn't say, okay, now go praise Him. It says, no, we're praising Him right now. The psalm changes from speaking of God's people in the beginning. He said, oh, you people, You who are righteous, you are upright. Well, now it's changed to the psalmist speaking as a member of God's people. It's no longer you. It is now our and we. Our soul waits for the Lord to deliver us from eternal death. God's people wait confidently, keeping our eyes and hearts and minds on the day of the Lord when he comes to take us home to him. Our soul waits and longs for that day that we know is going to come. We just don't know when. We rejoice and we give thanks to Him because we trust in His holy name, in His work, in His character. We trust that He will do as He promises. He has revealed Himself to us as His King, as King, Through his word, the creation, through his word here, through his word and control of all of history, he has revealed himself as king through his gaze. The fact that someone like me who's so weak and minuscule in this world of what? Now it's what, 7 million, billion people? Who is Mark Donaldson compared to 7 billion people? He knows me. And if you fear him and you love him, he knows you. Of all the people on the earth, he knows you. He knows you. His eye is upon you. Not just seeing what you're doing, he sees your heart, which belongs to him. He's revealed himself to us as king, as righteous, as faithful, and as trustworthy. This is the God that we worship. We don't worship some small God who's off in the corner taking a nap or who's standing back and just allows history just to go wherever it wants to go. Like, well, okay, we'll have fun see how this works out that's not our god we don't worship a god who's yes he's loving but just says oh you can do whatever you want i'm just going to show you forgiveness yes he forgives those who ask for it but he is a holy god who's greater than all things that we could ever imagine this is the god that we worship this morning The God that the psalmist is speaking of is the one who is here right now that we are hearing his word. We are worshiping him through song. We're worshiping him together as his people. This is the God that we are in the presence of right at this moment. Now my Bible titles this psalm and maybe your Bible does too. We should remember the the titles of the psalms are not canon, okay? They're, They're not actually in the original uh, these titles are meant by the editors of the Bible in order to kind of give a basic understanding when you get to it. Oh, okay, this is about the steadfastness of the Lord, the steadfast love of the Lord. Um, I'll be honest with you, when I first read this, it was a title that I considered lazy by the editors. Like, oh, look, steadfast love. It's in there three times. Yay, let's just call it steadfast love. Because like, it has nothing to do with his steadfast love, in my opinion, officially, or a, um, initially. I do not think steadfast love had much to do with this psalm, but as I began to study it throughout the week, as I began to think about it more, actually there was one day I walked into my office because I've got, I've got it up on my whiteboard, and I've got all these lines and all these marks, and I'm looking at it, and it, it's almost like it clicked. The editors weren't as lazy as I thought. <laughs> I should probably give them more credit, as if I know better than them, right? God's revelation of himself through his word, through the gaze of his eye, is the revelation of his steadfast love. So we can stand back and we can say, I look at the world around me, and let's be honest, I don't see his righteousness and his justice very often. I don't see his goodness and his trustworthiness. In the world around us, as far as we think of like people and politics and relationships. But in actuality, the revelation of God himself is a revelation of his steadfast love. His words of creation reveal his steadfast love. Steadfast, firm, not changing, not moving love. His counsel to the nations and the thwarting of the nation's counsel. His control over history reveals His steadfast love. Cultures, nations, kingdoms, leaders, they all change. They all come and they all go. But the steadfastness of our Lord, the steadfastness of His love is never changing. His eye, which is on those who fear and hope in Him, reveals His steadfast love, and His people, His people are driven to praise Him. Hundreds of years after this psalm was written, God revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus of Nazareth fulfilling the words of this psalm, because christ is the word of god in the flesh that's how john described it and he's not only the word of god in the flesh he's the word of god in the flesh who created all things john chapter one in the beginning was the word that is christ and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus is the creator. He was the one who created this world. He was not only there at the beginning, he's the one who created everything at the beginning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and christ is the king over all things in heaven and earth he is in heaven right now sitting on his throne at the right hand of the father with authority over all heaven heavenly and earthly powers that's in first peter chapter 3 God's kingdom is Christ's kingdom, Ephesians chapter 5. It's an eternal kingdom, 2 Peter chapter 1. God is king. Uh, God as king is not simply revealed through Christ, it's revealed in Christ. Christ is the sovereign king of kings and Lord of lords, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. I mean, it's everywhere in Scripture. And as sovereign... As the sovereign king, the sovereign Lord, his counsel thwarts the counsel of the nations. Christ is in control of history. Christ's purposes are always done. Kings and warriors trust in their own power, but we as the people of God, we do not put our trust in the things of this world or in ourselves. We put our trust in Christ, who is the sovereign king and Lord of all. And Christ delivers from eternal death the souls of those who trust and hope in him. Sin has corrupted every aspect of our nature, bringing death both physical and spiritual. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Meaning that the wrath of God for our sinful rebellion against uh, him is upon us and our life is due. And yet Christ came. In our moment of weakness, in the moment of our sin, where we have no hope, suddenly Christ appears and our hope is revealed. God himself is revealed. In Christ, eternal life is freely given to those who believe, to those who fear and hope in him and not in themselves and not in this world and not in this culture, and not in the politicians, and not in money and not in influence. I mean we just keep going on and on and on. Our hope as God's people is in Christ. Christ didn't die to save us from politics. He's, he died to save us from the wrath of God for our sins, delivering our souls from death. In Christ, the steadfast love of the Lord is ultimately revealed. So we can look at this world and we can say, Where's the steadfastness, steadfast love of the Lord? I don't see it. There's a lot of pain and issue. Well, in the middle of that, guess what? Christ is there, and He's revealing Himself that He is the steadfast love of the Lord, steadfast love of the Lord. He is the one that you look to. No matter what's going on in life. No matter what you encounter, good, bad, horrific, joyful, our hope is found in Him. And the steadfastness of the Lord is revealed through Christ. We hope in Him. And that hope, that understanding of who He is, who Christ is, drives us to say praise the Lord. Praise Jesus Christ as my king. Praise Jesus Christ as my only hope for my salvation. And we give glory to him. I mean, ultimately, that's what this is about, this table that we're about to take here. This is about giving praise to the king who shed his blood. We found out that his blood was shed to cleanse us. He died on that cross. Well, not that one, but a, the cross. He died on the cross to save us. Through the cross his steadfast love of the Lord was the steadfast love of the Lord was revealed. And so when we take this here in a few moments to take the cup and to take the bread and to remember oh my gosh, the eye of the Lord is upon me. He has saved me in Christ. He has revealed himself through his word, Jesus Christ, to me. I'm not some stranger to him. I am his child. And we praise the Lord. So here's, here's what I want to ask us to do. A lot of times, I mean, yes, check your heart and check sin and confess that. But ultimately, today, when we soon get that cup and that bread, we sit and we just dwell in the midst of the truth, that those of us who fear the Lord and trust in Him are bathed and soaked in the steadfast love of the Lord, and it will never go away, ever. And find joy in that, and so praise Him. So when you are ready, you don't have to be a member of Elm Creek. All we ask is that you're a member of the family of God, that you can say with confidence, I am a child of God. I have experience and I know the steadfastness of the love of the Lord. If you could say that, and you can stand before the Creator and you can say, I am your child. You have saved me, and you're welcome to join us. You can get in line, grab a, a cup, and grab the bread, go back to your seat and then together as a family, as the family of God, we will, we will take the table together and as you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're thinking, yes, confess your sin but let your heart just become overwhelmed with praise and joy of God and give Him the glory for what He did for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So when you're ready, go ahead and come and then we'll Take it together.